What happens when two former political staffers, one Labour and one Tory, meet? And become surprisingly good friends. Introducing the After Party Podcast. A comedy podcast about ideas, politics and truthfully an unlikely friendship. With me, Sarah Southern. And me, Chloe Green. Welcome to the After Party. Hello. How are you, Chloe? I'm very well. I'm sat here with a tea, feeling cosy on a Friday morning. It is quite cosy today. A bit cold outside, isn't it? Mm, Happy Brexit Day, Sarah. Happy Brexit Day, Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit weird, isn't it? (laughs) She says with a single tear rolling down her her liberal elite cheek. How do you feel about it? Mm. Like today? I don't mean like the whole Brexit thing. How do you feel today about it? Actually, to be honest, today feels like nothing at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, today is just the inevitable day. There's been very little fanfare that I've been particularly, like, aware of. I think it's not been as kind of, um, you know, pompous and whatever as perhaps it might have been. You know, with the Big Ben bongs and all the rest of that nonsense. Oh, bing a bong, bing a bob for Big Ben. Oh, I can't even remember what Boris said now. What did they raise, like quarter of a million or something bung a bob for bung a bob for big, big ben, ben bongs, bongs. Jeez, jesus if that's not a tongue twister i don't know what it is yeah they raised quarter of a million pounds it's something mark francois was trying to the tory mp was trying to do because it would have cost a million pounds to get big ben to bell bong. to bong tonight <laughs> at 11 o'clock because they're doing construction work yeah and they've risen to floor in the Victoria, sorry, the Queen Elizabeth Tower at the minute. Mm. Therefore, oh my God, it's just so ridiculous. We don't need the bells to ring. I don't think today is Brexit Day because oh. nothing's going to change tomorrow. Yes. Because it's the strange, transition period. It's a strange day. So someone had put on Twitter, or sorry, Facebook rather, yesterday, today I'm in um, Scandinavia and it'll be the last time that I'm able to walk through the EU Citizen Channel. And I was like, no, it won't be, because that's not going to change until the end of summer. I didn't put that on her Facebook, because I felt that would just make me look like a little petulant. But I think... Yes, don't be churlish, Sarah. Well, there's no point in being churlish, but nothing is going to change tomorrow. Yeah. The big change, and also Brexit isn't really over, the big change is going to happen in December, depending on the trade talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the the day itself today is kind of symbolic, isn't it? It's not actually a day when anything will materially change or be different. It's just a symbolism. It's just the symbolism of the day. I totally agree. And it's really bizarre because I've spent all week thinking, why does anyone care? This is so ridiculous. Like people need to get over themselves. And then yesterday I was chatting to someone and he said, oh, my dad's coming down and he's going to the party in Parliament Square. Ugh. And I was like, what? I said, are you kidding? He was like, yeah, he's driving down. And he's and this is a, a comic, uh, so it's not someone I know from politics. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, he's really excited about it. I was like, I can think of anything more strange than going standing in Parliament Square in the cold with Nigel Farage. <laughs> <laughs> Vomit. People really want to leave the EU, don't they? Well, I think 52% of the nation does. Uh, but... Arguable. Arguable. Uh, but it's happening. I I personally don't think much will change. Um, I know that, say, someone like Nick Bowles, who used to be a Conservative MP, then went independent, mm-hmm. he himself was very Eurosceptic, but voted to remain because he said, I just don't think much will change. We'll still have to conform mm. with what they're doing. I just keep thinking it's a bit like IKEA, right? IKEA makes sure that every single one of their products can be sold in every single country that they sell. Right. 
So if uh, Australia has got a higher safety issue than Denmark, mm. it will be at the Australian level. So every single product mm. in their range can be sold in every country without anything being changed. And that's kind of in some ways how the UK is still going to have to operate. Because if you want to sell biscuits in Germany, it's still got to conform to the EU biscuit rules, hasn't it? That makes sense. But then does that not, that doesn't quite count when it goes from like the States to the UK, right? Like there's a lot of like difficult, um, I don't know, like difficult realities around things like, you know, chlorinated chicken, for example. I just don't think people will buy it. We won't know that it's in there. Well, also, as the daughter of a British farmer myself, I would always encourage people to buy food that's got the little... British by British tractor thing on. Of course. And it's madness that we would be buying chicken from America because, you know, air miles, that's not good. Yeah. We can grow chickens here. Yeah. But like that's the kind of like, you know, the mass market, mass production stuff, which I think is like genuinely very concerning about trade deals with America. Yeah, I guess that was what your chicken nuggets is going to be, potentially. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not imagining they're the highest quality like right now as it is. But without EU regulations, which protected us to a higher standard than our own do, I think we might be a bit buggered when it comes to, like, farming, food, produce, importing. But then it's difficult, because speaking from a farming background, it's difficult because the EU has created a very difficult platform for farmers in this country in terms of like not all fields being able to be used, a huge reliance on um, the single farm payment. I would imagine that the government will probably encourage a lot of farmers to stop farming because it's not financially viable. Mm. So I think there will be a change in farming in this country, uh, which will be interesting to see what's announced. If farmers could get a good deal, I'd be keen on that from a very selfish point of view but I guess it will be interesting to see what happens what the trade deal that we get with the EU is how people feel about it come the 31st of December Mm. 2020 but in some ways the real Brexit day is the 1st of January 2021 wow great I can't wait for more Brexit days (laughs) I know I know more days to realize what a colossal mistake are you gonna get yourself a 50p piece I mean, I won't, get, I, won't, I won't have a choice. Surely they'll just be in the shops, no? Well, who uses money? Like, who uses money? <laughs> you London wanker. If I can't pay for something contactless, I'm not buying it. Like, if something's over £30, I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't know my pin. I can't buy it from you. Um, I did find it really interesting how everyone was losing their minds over this 50p piece. I couldn't care less. Well, you know, the problem that a lot of people had with it, of course, other than the kind of like gross nationalistic, mm. uh, you know, implications. But the main beef that I, I saw a lot of people have with it was the Oxford comma. Did you hear about that? Yes, I did see people lose their minds about that. But people who wang on about the Oxford comma are also the kind of people who, you know, don't have televisions. And the reason you know that is because they tell you. Like, <laughs> you know, just... <sighs> It is lovely to use an Oxford comma where appropriate. Mm. I don't think the back of a 50 pence piece is it. Well, see, I come from a different perspective of I'm a copywriter. Like, so you like an Oxford comma? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Like, for me, like, the rules of grammar. I'm not that twat on Twitter who, like, go in 
you know, into someone re- someone's replies and say that their argument is completely <laughs> null and void. Because they used the wrong there. Because yeah. they used the wrong there. I'm not that guy who has the time. I have hobbies. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, my, my preference is always to be like as grammatically accurate on, you know, things of national import as, as possible. True. I.e. currency. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to admit, I have just switched off from it all of late. So when people were wanging on about it, I was like, I just don't care. But I did find out that there's certain 50 pence pieces mm. are of value. And... Oh. Having done the Edinburgh Fringe last year, where if you do the free fringe like I did last year, people come in for free and then they make a donation on the way out. So you end up with loads of cash. And when I was like counting up the cash, I saw that some 50 pence pieces had like were really interesting. Hmm. So I had a couple that had Paddington the Bear on. So I was like, oh, "Oh, that's quite fun because I really like Paddington the Bear. It's like my mum and dad used to read it to me as a child. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep those to the side and like not put them in the bank because they're quite cute. Anyway, all these people talking about 50 pence pieces. There were some articles in the papers this week about how certain 50 pence pieces are worth more. And one of the Paddington ones that I've got is worth like 300 pounds. You're kidding. Well, allegedly, if you sell it on eBay, so maybe someone might buy it for 51p, but some have gone for 300 quid. So I was like, oh my goodness. So I might try, I mean, not that I ever have cash, I might try and get one of those 50p pieces because it might be worth 52 pence. Yeah, but then once you've, you've, you know, put in postage and packaging, you're you're going to end up making about, yeah, yeah, 20 pence, which is a 30 pence loss, mate. But it is interesting how it's being commemorated. So we're getting a 50 pence piece... It's a shame we've not been given a bank holiday. You know what? I am currently working on a campaign for four extra bank holidays. Good. Yeah, we should have client. more bank holidays. Yeah, and I re- honestly, I've really, I've re- I'm really quite serious about it. Like when I worked at Labour, we had all of that kind of, um, you know, fanfare about Labour Party policy. It's four new bank holidays to mark the patron saints, mm. you know, which is like country coming together, a bit of sort of national spirit, a morale boost, etc. Um, and of course, I was on board then. It was Labour policy. Cool. We did a lot of content around it. And honestly, I was a social media manager at Labour. So kind of saw this for- firsthand. But that content sparked some of the best and worst reactions of any of our content. Honestly, like people would go really hard one way or the other really yeah i didn't know bank holidays could be contentious i'd like to see a bank holiday that happens in october probably during that october half term Mm. because you have obviously the first of uh january the second as well if you're in scotland then you have Easter, which might be in March, might be in April, depends how Easter fancies grooving at that year. <laughs> then you have the the May Day bank holiday, which this year will be on the Friday, not the Monday, because of Ooh. the VE. Did you not know this? No. Because of VE Day, the May bank early May bank holiday isn't on Monday the let me just look at my calendar. It won't be on Monday the fifth, it'll be on Friday the eighth. Oh wow. So we're just having a bit later. And Harley Fine. and I seems to know this. Yeah, not me. All the calendar makers got really cross about it because they'd always <laughs> printed their calendars. Then we have one at the end of May. Then we have one in August. And then, then we have nothing until Christmas Day. Well, this is exactly the point that, and I'm, I'm, I'm repping here, but this is exactly the point that the TUC make, oh, okay. which is that you obviously have a huge cluster around the kind of springtime and then you've got your August one for, you know, your barbecues and whatnot. But between August and... December that means that a lot of workers don't get another paid day off for four months Mm. which I mean it has like it has a lot it has a big impact on morale and on productivity and on 
yeah, like the, I think the mental health of the nation by the time you hit Christmas is absolutely wrecked. I think it would be nice. I think it would be nice. So maybe what we should do is when we finally part ways with the EU on the 31st of December 2020 is we should like just take that, have, have a double... A double New Year. <laughs> That's already the bloody bank holiday. Mate. I know. I need another well, one. I'm just trying to think when it can be. It could be today. Or we could just have today off. Right, yeah. quick, ring everyone. Tell them we're having it off. <laughs> Leave your offices immediately. <laughs> Get yeah. out. Yeah, so we need to think of ways to commemorate it because whether you agree with it or not, I think we've got to acknowledge a change is coming in the country. And yeah. We, and, it was quite interesting watching the news or bits of the news this week when like the Brexit MEPs were saying their farewell and Nigel Farage did his speech and then they got uh, union flags out and were waving them in the chamber, which apparently is against the rules in the chamber. So the person switched them off and I, I don't know what the lady's called, but she was chairing it and she said, I told you weren't allowed to have the flags. Take your flags and just go away. <laughs> And then they'd all like sung Old Lang Syne together in this kind of like moment of unity. But it's the fact she was just like, be off with you. You're so irritating. I feel like take your flags and go away is like my motto for life. (laughs) Like, I'm so disinterested in flag flying and flag waving and just generally the flag. I'm like, all right, I get it. It is the Olympics this year. So I will get a little bit flag obsessed because I like to get into supporting team gb so i will have a flag then less contentious as well i mean i'm sure contention somewhere but like that is very much like a we're all having a nice time let's have a good healthy bit of competition and like back team gb that's nice i'm I'm fine with people sometimes i don't know whether they do it at labor party conference but in the olden days people used to take flags to conservative party conference and during the Cameron days, we were like, we have got to stop this. So we'd Ooh. literally like take flags from people as they walked into the hall. Because it's very much like a kind of 1980s, 1990s, and obviously before that as well, kind of feeling of like people waving flags in this incredibly like patriotic way. Mm. And that didn't really fit with the Cameron ideal. Mm. It wasn't really his vibe. Was that what it was like working for Cameron? Sort of like trying to shift things along within the Conservative ranks? Well, yes, because remember when he took over in 2005 the party a bit like the Labour Party now was you know going through leader kind of after one Mm -hmm. after the other so when he came in it was like a huge period of modernity so like you know they changed the logo so Mm. the logo used to be the torch and it changed to a tree Mm. Uh, so that's quite a big shift the colours of the party changed from this kind of really deep dark blue to a much lighter blue mm. um the the type of staff that were kind of in his um you know in a circle changed you know a lot of them were kind of more from like media companies and, and that kind of thing some people from advertising companies so kind of a different buzz around cool kids yeah but kind of not cool well like as cool as you can be working in politics you know uh, excuse me sarah <laughs> I'll have you know I'm extremely cool. Well, uh, me too. But Uh I also can see that in the grand scheme of things, we're not up there with the really cool kids. We do buck the trend somewhat. We do. We do. Uh, But yeah, there was times I remember going to, um, (laughs) this is so terrible, going to an event. And it was really early on in the year. So it must have been really, like there was frost on the ground. So it must have been in January. And we were doing this uh, event and David was going to be speaking live on the tv so it was being covered 
and the room was really, really full. But I think we must have been in Oxfordshire. So you can picture the type of people who were there. And Mm -hmm. this guy was sat on the front row and he had this really bright yellow scarf that basically made him look like Rupert the Bear. Mm -hmm. And it was the main thing you could see on the camera. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I just kind of walked up to him and I just kind of said, "Um, I love your scarf. It's wonderfully vibrant, but it might just detract a little bit from the TV. Mm -hmm. Would you mind taking it off? And he's like, I totally understand. I totally understand. Rupert the Bear is not what it's about today. Thank you very much. And he took off. But there were things like that. Because it's, well, you know this working in politics. When you're trying to change how people view you, Mm -hmm. you do become a little bit obsessed with the micro. Oh, the image, the image, the image is everything. Yeah, I completely relate to that story. It reminded me of when, um, during the 2017 general election, we did so many big rallies with Jeremy because he was, I mean, the the man can pull a crowd, honestly. Mm. Like, in a way that, you know, for better or worse, uh, you know, politics aside, Ed Ed couldn't, you know? And and even even Gordon really couldn't. Um, And they were very vibrant, honestly. Like, those events were really quite special. Like, I I had a good time with them. Obviously, working them is a slightly different experience, but it was very um, infectious. The enthusiasm, the excitement, the cheering, you know, and people were like, oh, cult of Jeremy at these events, and people chanting, oh, Jeremy Corbyn. And I think, like, yeah, cult of Jeremy is, is something we should absolutely be, like, critical of and concerned about and have some you know, like interrogate that a little bit further. But in terms of the events, they were really special because they honestly, honestly had the most diverse group of people at any of these events. We had one event, which is the one that was relevant to this story. We had one event in Birmingham um, and it was like a big yeah, campaign event and it was specifically around young people um but the people who came out weren't just young people there were honestly ever they were like elderly people you know in like with zimmer frames there were there were babies and mums there was everyone and it was really lovely of lots of different ethnicities and backgrounds it was a great gender mix it was not a traditional or or a political event event in that and you'd they were seeing. party members no, they were, well, well, yeah, some part, party members, because you obviously have to, like, um, sort of seed. You have to get yeah, people yeah, to yeah. come to the event to make sure that it's not an absolute, you know, debacle because it looks pathetic. But lots and lots of local people, lots of just sort of general supporters. Because Cameron did that when he did this thing called Cameron Direct when he was leader of the opposition. And it was n- no party members were allowed to go. It had mm. to be normal people from that place. And the crowd that would come would be really diverse. And mm. it was kind of like any question goes. Mm. And it, it was like kind of what you would class as an American town hall yes. style meeting. Yeah. And they worked really, really well because people genuinely did feel as though they were able to ask anything and mm. really engage with them. And I think we should have more of that. I don't think mm. politicians should be shying away from being asked the awkward questions. 100%. I think it takes the right kind of politician, though, to actually be able to deal with that. Like, it is really quite hard, I think, to find great leaders who are very good on the hoof. Like, there's just a... You know, there's there's a there's an element of being the party leader or like a or a leading politician that is a, a job of about being polished, right? Like being very shiny for the cameras and being a little bit reserved because you know one slip and your party's chances of government can be buggered. But like weirdly, I think Nigel Farage had that. Oh, but the man also like 
to be to be like totally brutally honest like the guy is i think probably a sociopath he's not got anything to lose like his, oh i completely agree he has zero to lose and his party relies on him being outrageous and outspoken that's his brand like you couldn't get the leader of the labor party or the conservative party being the same type of figure because i don't think anybody wants nigel farage to be the prime minister no but they want him to be the bloke in the pub to have exactly. a pint with and he's never shied away from that which I think in some ways is why he has done well Mm. because he's been true to who he is. Yeah, but that also means that he's not accountable to anybody. You know, he he can go rogue and it doesn't have the same implication for, you know, MPs in far-flung seats who are going to have to answer those questions about that awkward media intervention on, you know, on the doorstep. Like, that is very much like it, it, it's the ability of him to be irresponsible what i was going to say about this event right because i got completely distracted um around <laughs> image was you talking about you having to go up to the person with the scarf oh my goodness we had the exact same thing and i cried laughing at this event in birmingham we have this chap right whose name has completely escaped me but he comes to so many labor party events you've probably seen him on honestly like on news clippings he is always clad entirely in red He wears red head to toe. He wears a red hat. He wears a red suit. He wears a red shirt. He wears red uh, red shoes, red socks, everything. And he's become a bit of a personality. Like, everyone knows this guy. They're like, oh, here he is again. Hey, hey, pal. You know, he's a lovely guy. Just an avid Labour fan. And he would turn out to any event. You know, he's not, um, he's not particularly, I don't think he's particularly partisan. But anyway, other than being Labour, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> partisan within the party. Yeah. But he came to this Birmingham event, right? You know, trekked up from London, bless him. And oh my God, he stood. We had like a big load of media at the back of the room and the, the these events honestly they are like military operations because you have to get people to stand up at the right time so it looks like a big fanfare and it looks very exciting and sit down exactly when the event manager says so because otherwise you pan with the camera and you've got like you know 20 people like crowding jeremy and the whole thing looks like a bloody mess and we had this awful moment where everybody sat down on cue. Everyone was like very like conscious of, you know, the media, etc. But this guy, this guy in the red suit kept standing up and he was just going, yes, Jeremy, yes, Jeremy, <laughs> long after every other person around him. I'm talking like 500 people in this bloody stadium. Everyone else had sat down and the speed at which my colleague took him down was something I've never seen. The man's never moved faster. Like he, not violently or physically, I just mean he sped bed from the back of the room and just grabbed it went went into the aisle grabbed this guy's like jacket and just said sit down please sit down and he just oh my god like this is what i mean like that guy looking slightly flamboyant looking slightly excitable you know, pe- people could look at that and think, oh, cult of Jeremy he attracts all sorts of all sorts of people. Oh, God, it's, it's really hard, though, because people then say, oh, but you're just controlling it and it's all spin. And how can you see the reality when you're controlling it that much? But when the way that people receive their news now mm-hmm. is so immediate, it's 24 hours, you kind of have to, in a way, to, to make it look good because... Mm-hmm. The presentation of it is so important. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we were planning events and visits for the election... 
Of 2010. Of 2010. Mm. You would spend ages thinking, well, how does this look? What what does this room represent? And we would spend Mm. loads of time researching different types of places that people could go to so that it had a different feel. Because, you know, when people think of the Conservative Party, they do think of this stale, old, traditional thing. Mm. So if all you do is go to stale, old, traditional venues, Mm. you're not moving it along. And I think in some ways that's what um, uh, Jo Swinson was trying to do with the Lib Dems in the 2019 campaign. Mm. You know, she did an event in a nightclub uh, that I saw on the TV and you could barely hear the news presenter (laughs) over the music. Uh, And, you know, she did a lot of things with kids. You know, there seemed Mm. to be a lot more family vibe Mm. to what it is. Now, it didn't work. Mm, it, sure. it was not electorally successful, but I do think she was clearly trying to create just a different vibe mm. and a different tone mm. to the type of politics, which is a good thing. And I guess on that, um, in credit to Joe Swinson, she definitely spoke in the chamber once with her child in a sling when it was a baby. Mm. And this week, I see the Speaker of the House has said that he is ambivalent as to whether people breastfeed in the chamber or not that's superb and i did obviously i then deep dived and there were (laughs) definitely two members of parliament who i think swore in whilst having their bambinos on them that's amazing that's a good step forward that's a really special thing i mean maybe don't breastfeed during uh pmqs because it's quite rowdy in there might upset the baby a bit well, yeah, if the noise, if, yeah, for noise-based issues. Yeah. But otherwise, crack yeah. on. Yeah, because there's often only about 20 people in the chamber anyway. I'm sure it's really quite soothing listening to people mm. ramble on. So no, I thought, that, yeah, was, a lullaby. I thought that was kind of a nice thing this That's week. Great. That's great. See, just because it's Brexit Day doesn't mean nice things haven't happened yeah, this week. Yeah, but yeah. are you going to go down to Parliament Square tonight then? And uh, Oh, can't wait, mate. Yeah, I'll be there with my flags. Absolutely <laughs> well, not. I'll be at work this evening, so um, I shan't be there. <laughs> and also wouldn't go anyway. Absolutely not. Um, but I did also see that this week, in celebration of Nigel Farage, that they unveiled a portrait of him. And it was just a bit odd because... <laughs> They'd really kind of like, it looked as though they'd put loads of fillers in his lips. Oh, But then where's weird. this portrait going to hang? Well, that's the thing. I was like, you know, obviously Twitter was a buzz with like pictures and screenshots of this absolutely bizarre fever dream <laughs> of an event. Um, but I was like, what? what is the point of the event? Where is the picture being hung? Like, what? what is, why is this happening? Like, is this literally just in his living room? Are we in like the back of a pub somewhere? Why is Jim Davison back from the grave? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's all a bit odd. It's all a bit odd. And I remember Jim Davidson's Generation game, like growing up with that as a kid and just thinking, this guy's a legend. He's so funny. And then, of course, learning like later as you come into adulthood that he is a rotten, racist, sexist, homophobe. And he is really grim. And I just think, like, honestly, like, Nigel Farage is so untouchable in that he can associate with anyone, say anything, do anything. And he's just complete Teflon. Like, any other politician wouldn't be seen dead with Jim Davidson you know what I mean like it's yeah. su- like again optics right like the image of what that means and what that represents is just is just wild it is a bit isn't it I did feel sad for the um the MEPs from other parties in Britain who were quite upset and then they were obviously being like interviewed on the 
the news and such like. Mm. And they're like, we don't want to leave here. And I felt a bit, a bit sad because it's not nice. They've lost their jobs. Well, exactly. There's always like the very real and practical um, like realities of any kind of election loss or, or certainly Brexit where not only have those people lost their jobs, it's their staff. Yeah, know? that's true because actually the people who are MEPs will probably get other stuff. Whereas if you've enjoyed living in Brussels and you're a staffer out there and the lifestyle that is, well, they could get a job with other MEPs in different bits, I guess. True. I don't know how it's going to be for, you know, Britons in European countries getting work like are we actually going to see like a bit of a dip in terms of like employment I I think it's the same as it is here in terms of obviously if uh, someone from the EU is already living in the UK they can stay that's not an issue I would imagine that it's the I haven't read into it I'd have to admit because I've got no interest in going and living in France um or any other EU nation. Oh, I'd love to live in Berlin. I like holidaying in Berlin. I don't think I'd want to live there. I like mm. living in London. Yeah, to be fair, I'm, I'm very comfortable here. I'm fine Yeah, I'm here. not planning on going anywhere. I do find it really interesting. Hello, to be like, yeah, so like I've looked into my ancestry and I can apply for a different passport so I can still stand in the short queue. <laughs> Why are you going to spend all that money just to save five minutes at the airport? I know, but I think it's more than that, isn't I it? know it is, but it's, it's just, like... that's like their main focus, though. I just don't have to stand in a long queue. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. I wish I I wish I had, like, Irish ancestry or, or, or something within the EU. I, I still want to be an EU member. Like, I feel selfishly, very personally cheated out of EU membership. And also, I feel really, really bad for people who also will lose out on that right. Like what was it last week like we you know we've we've officially decided or voted to to take you know buy out of the erasmus scheme like oh really yeah i thought that had been decided a few months ago that that wasn't going to be the case no, so no, it changed we're gone. again we're gone and mm-hmm. it's like the the you know the folly with which these mps will vote for that and not give it a second thought i just think that's really sad like so many relationships and friendships and cultural connections are made with erasmus with mm. young people having the opportunity to go abroad and, and 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 vice versa it really enriches our society it enriches our nation it's like you know it's like the microcosm of the eu right like erasmus represents i think what something what is so great did about you do the erasmus i never did no, no. I, I would have loved to i i don't think i I don't think I thought much about it, but it's the kind of, it's just the opportunity. And I think like a lot of people that I know did, and it's very special to them, like it's a special place in their heart. And I think it's like the fact that, you know, people of generations after ours will have fewer opportunities than than we did. And I think that is, you know, in the same way that, you know, I've got baby boomer parents and they bought property when they were very young because they could afford it because property was different then and I am struggling to get on the property. You know, all of yeah, that same. kind of thing. It's like the the generation before having having we're a different poorer. opportunity. Yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's really like sad. Like yeah. you don't ever want generations before you to have had more than after. Yeah, that's very true. I think basically what we've learnt in the past few years is we shouldn't have referendums. <sighs> Indeed. That's you, what were, you worked on the AV referendum. I did. I worked on the only referendum that everyone can hold their heads up high uh, because it really didn't matter. <laughs> uh, and it also proved to me that things should be written down because <laughs> back in 2010 when the coalition uh, negotiations were going on, uh, one of the things that clinched it 
for the Liberal Democrats to go with the Tories was that there would be a referendum on the alternative vote. Mm. And the reason it was the alternative vote rather than proportional representation is um, in a manifesto, I think, by the Labour Party, it had been said that there will be discussions on having the alternative vote. And Gordon Brown said to Nick Clegg, we won't even have a referendum, we will just move to the alternative vote. Mm. So just prove to me, if something's written down, it can then be part of the discussion. Mm. So then Cameron said, no, 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 we will have this referendum. So we had a referendum on the alternative vote, which is quite a complicated way of voting versus first past the post. And uh, it got to, I think, we won by, it was either 60 or 80%. It was like 65 or something really yeah, wild. Yeah, So basically I worked on that referendum. Well done me. We won really big. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, I was on the other side of the yeah. camp. But I don't have a problem with portion representation. I would have gone for that, but not alternative vote. Well, you know, I think at the time, that was really a lot of the beef that people I knew had with it, which was like, this is a real half measure, so I'm not going to vote for it yeah. because I want the thing that's a step beyond. Exactly. And my argument was, I get that, but it's closer to where we want to be, so let's say yes to this, and hopefully then, in in the way that you know civil partnership led pa- to, paved the to, way yeah, to marriage. marriage and i understand that like changing a democratic system is not like oh we'll change it every six years i yeah. get that that's not the same and if we had av we'd probably have av for you know forever 30 40 yeah. 50 years but i still think that would shift the dial on how yeah. democracy in our country works i think if there was another opportunity i would definitely campaign for proportional representation for sure but I wasn't keen on AV. Uh, And then obviously we had the Scottish referendum that was a once in a generation, Mm. to which we might have another one. And then there was Brexit. So I just think, let's just leave it to the politicians. We're not Switzerland, where we're used to voting on things all the time. Yeah, it's not in our, like, national psyche to have referenda and think that that's, like, a normal way of conducting, you know, like, decision-making. Let's stay in our lane. (laughs) We say that as, like, two people who used to work within these... I know. Like, don't let anyone decide apart from these amazing politicians that we really trust and really rate. Lol. Well, look, I hope you enjoy the rest of Brexit Day. I surely won't. Post-Brexit Day. And I'm sure that we will be discussing Brexit for the months ahead because it ain't over Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. But please don't let that stop you from tuning in. Yeah, Yeah, we'll talk about other things. Don't worry, don't worry. It sounds like deeply naff content. Yeah, Yeah, well, come on. We've managed to not talk about the Labour leadership today, so that's... Yeah. That's a bonus. I want to do a really quick um, shout out to my ex. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So this is the a feature where we like shout out to the other aisle. So oh, something yeah. that somebody um, good, some something good that happened on the other side of the aisle. And we have to like be, you know, bigger than our party allegiance and say, you know, well done. Mm-hmm. And actually, interestingly, we really touched on this when you were saying about how David Cameron sort of tried to do those like ask me anything type yeah. events. Um, shout out to Bojay. Oh, which the is actual ne- prime minister. Which I never thought I'd do a shout out to. Shout out to Bojay because he this week did a sort of ask me anything Twitter conversation. Oh, yes. Did you see that? I saw a little bit of that. And I thought, you know what? Fair play. Because in this, in this, yeah, exactly. In this way that like a slip or a gaffe, it can be news 
instantly people can screenshot it they'll have it all they'll have it all there on twitter or there on facebook or whatever in front of them and there's no way of managing your way out of that particularly um he just went for it he had lots of random questions given to him he sat there on camera in a very kind of haphazard like oh i'm going to answer your questions now oh they're coming in you know it was it was very live it was very live fully then that's quite funny yeah on him which i think yeah is like something that a lot of politicians would not do um and i certainly when i was at labor tried to get politicians to feel a little bit more comfortable being a bit more chit-chatty and informal on social media because that is best practice yeah, and some medium, of them yeah exactly and some of them got there with like facebook lives and things like that but um you know the prime minister doing something like that of that scale on twitter i was i was impressed yeah no that's good well my uh, shout out to the across the aisle is a little random because this week there have been elections for the select committees. Now, it, the select committees are cross-party and it's a cross-party consensus. But there is a chairman or chairperson, chair. There is a chair of each one, <laughs> right? And they are allocated by party to make sure that the governing party doesn't be the chair of all of them. Mm. So it's not like a partisan thing. It's just like, right, this many for Labour, mm. this many for the Tories. And then all MPs vote. And the people who are f- vying for the, the 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 chairmanship send out like literature t- to all MPs to campaign, and the little le- leaflets or little leaflets, bless yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> then I could just you know send an email or knock on their door. And the MP for Coventry South, Zara Sultana, obviously did not like this. Labour she- MP. Labour MP, and she got all of the um, different leaflets for all the different chairs, and basically threw them in the bin and did it like a boomerang on you know social media saying i've got no interest in voting for any tories and then all these labor mps like tweeted us saying what is it that you don't understand they are allocated by party we've got to vote for the one that we like the most mm-hmm. don't be so childish so uh toby perkins for the labor mp for chesterfield did that former labor mp jackie smith did that and i just kind of like the fact that people within their own side were willing to kind of pull her up and say come on because actually in some ways like this is why we're doing this podcast we don't want people to be against people just because of you know the color of the rosette that they wear and if you're gonna have to this is the thing right like if i'm gonna have to spend time with a tory sarah i'd rather it be you you know like (laughs) that's good (laughs) there's there's a real best of a bad bunch situation going on here and zara sultana should have absolutely recognized that some of these people are going to be the chairs of some of these select committees so if you don't vote for the one that's like i don't know marginally better or more to your taste or seems more reasonable or more fair or more kind whatever then you're a bloody idiot yeah good (laughs) <laughs> glad we're agreed indeed as ever <laughs> agreeing agreeing well i hope you have a lovely week ahead thank you you too and uh i look forward to chatting next week and we can see how the world looks in a, a post-brexit age i mean zombies in the streets exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well try not to catch any viruses this week okay oh christ i'll do my best <laughs> right see bye. you soon bye